It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Washington Commanders fell short of 1-0 and in Week 10, and as we always do, we're breaking down what they tried to do versus what actually happened. That and more coming up on today's episode of Locked on Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're getting your podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Join the Locked On Commanders insiders where you get news. Inside Scoops exclusive content all delivered directly to your phone via one-on-one conversations with me via text message. Always excited to welcome new insiders to the club, so make sure you go to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnCommanders to sign up. I'm David Harrison, your host of the program on Twitter, at DHarrison82, credential member of the media covering the Washington Commanders for CommanderCountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. And I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers, and as always, Every day, I appreciate your continued support for the program. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to dive into what Ron Rivera said about going for two and the explosive plays his defense is allowing. Plus, we'll go over the defensive performance in Seattle a little deeper. Talk about what we want to sustain and what we want to see improve before week 11 back home against the New York Giants. But first, we're going to start with the good from week 10, uh, and that's the offense. For the Washington Commanders, uh, again, every AAR after-action review that we do, we start off with what was supposed to happen. In order to kind of divulge what was supposed to happen or determine what was supposed to happen, we can only look at what the team tried to do in the beginning of the game, especially on offense, the first 15 plays which are generally scripted by Sam Howell and offense coordinator play caller Eric Bieniemy before the game. So judging from those first 15 plays, here's what we can deduce what's supposed to happen. First of all, personnel alignments. Uh, the Washington Commanders came out and used six different personnel groupings and alignment looks. Uh, the most popular one was 11 personnel in 11 alignment. And again, 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, 11 alignment means they lined up as a traditional running back, traditional tight end. Whereas you have 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, one tight end in 10 alignment, which means the running back is lined up as a running back. The tight end is lined up, split off from the line of scrimmage. So either standing up in the slot out wide, something like that. Traditionally, what you would see a wide receiver doing, that was the second most popular uh, formation and, and personnel look from the Washington Commanders in week 10 against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, from 11-11, they were 40% successful. And from 11-10, they were 50% successful. Also 50% successful from 12 personnel uh, groupings with 11-man alignment. So one running back, two tight ends. But one of the, one of the tight ends uh, was actually in line. Uh, the other one was lined up as a split-off wide receiver type uh, of player. We also saw some 21 personnel with 21 alignment, two running backs, one tight end. Uh, that second running back being Alex Arma, the fullback lined up in the backfield. Uh, unfortunately, both of those plays in the first 15 
were unsuccessful. So they did not gain either 40% of the first down yardage, 60% of the second down yardage, or 100% of third down yardage on those plays. So that was kind of the personnel grouping alignment splits. Uh, they ran 12 pass plays. The commanders did three of them use play action. Two of them used motion. Short reads uh, were the first read nine times out of the 12 plays. Five of those ended up in successful plays. Four of those ended up in unsuccessful plays. Doesn't mean there were four incompletions. Again, compl- uh, successful plays, 40% of the first yard, first down yardage, 60% of second down yardage, 100% of third down yardage. Uh, so Sam Howell, not necessarily incompletes, but just unsuccessful plays. Intermediate reads, uh, they had one intermediate read. That was a first read. And twice uh, the first read of the play was a deep read. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean that those balls went deep or went intermediate or went short, although they did actually go short all nine times. Uh, it just means that's where Sam Howell first came out of the snap looking to deliver the ball. Uh, not a lot of play action, which means they were basically relying on the Seattle Seahawks defense to play them mostly straightforward, which is pretty much their their reputations, the Seahawks, uh, their reputation as a defense and, and as an offense, honestly, is they don't do a whole lot of trickeration. They just kind of do what they do. Uh, and they're counting on themselves to be better than you at what you do. Uh, short routes were the first read again on nine and 12 passes, which is 75% of the time, 56% of those were successful. So obviously Eric B enemy, Sam, Howell wanted to get the short game going again, try to get that jab, jab hook uh, type of offense going where they give you, they take those short routes and then they set up uh, the deep ball. None of the three intermediate or deep route primary plays were successful in the first 15. Uh, which was interesting. I think why you saw a little bit of a bog down there in the middle of the first quarter, second quarter after the uh, the initial touchdown drive for the Washington Commanders. They ran the ball three times in those first 15. Uh, so very heavy run pass uh, differences there. Um, one one run to the B gap, uh, right side B gap, one run to the right side C gap, one run wide left, two side, uh, tw- uh, twice they ran uh, to the right side, once they ran to the left side. The only left side run was successful, both the right side runs were unsuccessful. And then uh, between there, you've got yourself uh, 15 plays, right? So 12 pass plays, three run plays total. What That's that's basically what they wanted to do. They definitely wanted to come out and, and throw the ball against the Seattle Seahawks more and they wanted to run the ball. That wasn't a game flow thing. This, this first 15 shows you that that was absolutely the plan coming into this contest. So what actually happened in those first 15? Well, six of 15 plays were successful. It's a 40% success rate. Uh, not terrible, not good. You know, you definitely want to get over 50% of your, your scripted plays uh, right and, and have success with those if you can. Um, and at the end of those 15 plays, Washington was up 6-3 over the Seattle Seahawks. Looking at the personnel groupings, uh, the most successful look that they gave was the 12 personnel and 10 alignment. So one running back, two tight ends lined up as one running back, no tight ends. So split off from the formation and then 12 personnel and 12 alignment. So 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field working really well for the Washington Commanders. Cole Turner was inactive for the game, so obviously he was not in the mix on that. Uh, the most successful look that had more than one rep, because unfortunately 12-10, 12-12, uh, we only got one look at both of those in the first 15. Uh, the, so the most successful formation personnel alignment uh, group uh, that had more than one rep was the 11-10 uh, personnel and alignment grouping. Ran 12 personnel with 10 or 12 alignment six times total in the game. So they were successful each of the times they ran those in the first 15 and then for uh, for the rest of the game, they only ran it four more times in total. 9.7% of their offense on Sunday accounted for 12 personnel with 10 or 12 alignment. And they were successful in those six plays four times. So a 66% success rate using that alignment. But again, they only used it six times. Uh, they ran that 11 personnel with 10 alignment look 10 times total in the game, 16.1%. And they were successful on that 40% of the time, uh, but still 
uh, a very small portion of the total offense that they actually ran 16 of their total plays on Sunday, 25.8% uh, came from their most successful personnel groupings and alignments in their scripted portions of the game, uh, which were 50% successful. So uh, again, we talk about the real world, real time analytics and, and all those things. You know, I don't know what's being said at, at when and, and by when or uh, at which times and by who, uh, but you know, obviously you look at those numbers and your first 15 plays tells you certain things are starting to work. Uh, and, and, you know, I would say, I guess, unfortunately the offense had a pretty good day, but I would say you would like to see them, I think, go to those things a little bit more often during the course of the game because they were working. Right. Um, so that's the offensive side. So, again, that's the good news. Unfortunately, we do have to get to the bad news. So we're going to flip over to the defense now, talk about something uh, we want to sustain from this game, something we want to improve from this game as well. After we talk about the defense, all of that coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. We spend a lot of time talking together, you and I, and we get fired up together for wins. We get bummed out for losses. Who starts, who sits, all the conversations. And I'm thankful for all those conversations that we get to have today, though. Our chat's going to be a little bit more personal because whether you're on extended travel, whether you're bracing for major weather events, or you're dealing with, yet again, uh, limited supply shortages, you are covered with Jace Medical. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics, and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. Even now, ED generics like Cial- or for Cialis, Viagra, and Revedio, Revedio, I don't know how to say that, prescriptions, go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. One verified customer said, quote, I'm thankful for the service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a one-year supply. I also ordered the antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. Highly recommend this for everyone. End quote. If you or someone you love would love, if you or someone you love would love some peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use the promo code locked on to get $20 off of that purchase. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And thanks again for being on Locked On Commander. Your first listen or your first view today and every day. Every day, just make sure you come back tomorrow. We will have a mailbag episode, a fresh mailbag episode. Football season is here. Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL Kickoff Live. Every Friday, your three hosts are going live at 2 p.m. Eastern, and they're going over every matchup. They're going to help you set up your fantasy lineups. They're going to help you get your betting angles down, plus get in-depth coverage from hosts across the network. Find Locked Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Flipping over to the defensive side of things here from the Washington Commanders week 10 loss against the Seattle Seahawks, uh, starting with the rush grouping. So how many players the Washington Commanders had dedicated to rushing the quarterback on a given play? And I did chart all 15, even though obviously all 15 were not passes. 
Uh, still tried to deduce the best I could to kind of give you an idea of just how many rushers Jack, Jack Del Rio was really looking to rely on here. Uh, four-man rush was used 11 times, six times. Uh, those were those resulted in uh, non-successful plays for the offense. So when I say successful plays here, when we're talking about defense, it means it was a non-successful play for the offense, right? Kind of like the, the negative test that the doctor is a good thing. So when I say successful, we're talking about it's good for the defense. Um, just kind of flipping it around there. Uh, 11 times, like I said, the commanders used four-man rushes in the first 15 Seahawks plays. Six of those were successful. Uh, twice they used a five-man rush that was successful once. Uh, once they used a three-man rush, but they did bring Jamin Davis. The left end dropped off into coverage. Jamin Davis, or what would have been coverage, Jamin Davis came in on a blitz. That was a successful play as well. Uh, they also used a four-man rush once, but they also had Danny Johnson and Benjamin St. Juice each coming in on the blitz from the outside on that one. That play was successful as well. So clearly, you know, with 11 of the 15 reps having four-man rushes, uh, Jack Del Rio wanted to get as organic a pass rush as he possibly could. But he did also want to bring some more blitzes, and we saw a little bit more pressure in this game, I think, than we've seen uh, in quite some time from Jack Del Rio. Um, both the blitzes came with 10 or more yards to go, but they were there was no downtrend. It wasn't like both third and longs or anything like that. I think one was a first down, one was a third down. Um, so there were no downtrends there. So those are rushing groups. Coverage groupings, uh, they went to this is something I'm adding this week. Uh, we'll continue this moving forward. But looking at coverage uh, behind the pass rush or behind the rushers, they dropped into cover four four times. Uh, three times the commanders were successful. Cover two, they did three times. Three times they were successful. Cover one twice, uh, they were successful with that. Once cover six, three times, they were not successful at all. Uh, cover three, they did three times and they were successful one time. Looking at uh, the the coverage, uh, you know, usage, you have you have to just come away with the fact that they're looking to cap those deep passes. And uh, you know, in some situations it worked, and in some situations it didn't. They did, you know, the Seattle Seahawks. Honestly, they had a really good amount of catch and runs that were explosives, not necessarily deep passes uh, that were just dropped over the defense uh, necessarily. So keeping a cap on the deep passes certainly did work. But the problem is a lot of times the underneath coverage failed throughout the game. Uh, cover four is a basic feature of most defenses. So three of the cover four looks came against runs, uh, but they were successful plays. Uh, the cover two faced a run twice. Uh, both of those were, or all three of their passes were, or their plays were successful. But again, three, two of those came against a run. Um, and they defended the run uh, in the first 15 successfully three times. They faced five runs, defended it successfully three times, defended 10 passes in the first 15 and successfully defended it six times. So not a terrible start overall. For the defense, obviously some mistakes, uh, especially in that first drive that led to that initial field goal. But as far as successful plays versus unsuccessful plays, the commander's defense actually put themselves in some fairly decent situations early on. They just couldn't capitalize on all of them. Uh, no sacks in the first 15, no hurries that I charted, one quarterback hit. Uh, Geno Smith went six for eight for 50 yards. Uh, third downs, they went two for three, 66%. And that kind of goes back to, again, the 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 not taking advantage of, of advantageous situations. I mean, Geno Smith, one of those six completions for 50 yards was a 20 yard pass. So you have five more completions for 30 yards at six yards per completion. That's not a great average for a quarterback. Successful plays allowed six, uh, which is 40%. Again, you'd like to have that closer to 30%, but 40% isn't terrible. And they gave up one explosive play that we're going to talk about here in depth a little bit in those first 15 that came on a third and six. Uh, there were, it was on the Seattle 39. So an opportunity to get off the field, uh, Geno Smith finds Jackson Smith and Jigba, the, the rookie receiver out of Ohio State, for a 20-yard catch to the Washington 41 on a drive that ended up in a field goal. Now, looking at that play, uh, Washington was in cover four. 
And and on the cover or Wash was in cover six rather, which means you have a, a kind of a split of cover four, cover two. Um, you have cover four on the strong side of the play, cover two on the weak side of the play. And on the cover two side of the play, Jamin Davis is supposed to drop into a hook zone. Instead, he pursues the flat uh, over pursues the running back running into that zone and allows Jackson Smith and Jigba to clear David Mayo and get into the zone that he's supposed to be in behind him. Uh, Jamin Davis should be there, but he's not. If Davis covers the hook zone, likely, uh, which is what the traditional coverage calls for, likely that Geno Smith checks down to the running back that he was over pursuing on Zach Charbonnet. And then in that situation, Jamin Davis and David Mayo are in a position to potentially converge on him and stop him shy of the first down. Again, we have no idea if they actually would have been successful, but the opportunity would have been there instead. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is running wide open behind Jamin Davis and away from David Mayo, and they get the first down and an explosive second order effect. Three plays later is when Forbes gets ejected. So if the commander's defense isn't on the field, maybe he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't get ejected right then anyway, but maybe he doesn't get ejected. Uh, at all after the Washington or after the Seattle Seahawks rather first 15 offensive plays score again was Washington six Seattle three and that concludes the after action review portion of what was supposed to happen and what did happen now we move into our sustain and our improve sustain I'm going to go short area left offense and that's very very specific but 20 times the Washington commanders use the short area left side of their offensive formation those 20 plays gained 158 yards and it scored a touchdown, specifically the 51-yard touchdown to Brian Robinson Jr. catch and run by him, which means the other 19 gained 107 yards of total offense. Still 19 plays, 107 yards. You're never going to scoff at that. 12.7 yards per play compared to 5.8 yards per play total in Week 10. So clearly the left side uh, short area of the formation was, was producing a lot more than anywhere else on the field for the commander's offense. Even the two TDs that didn't come from the left side specifically are made possible uh, in part because of the activity happening on the left. On the Antonio Gibson touchdown pass, five Seahawks defenders are covering three routes that are either on the left side of the field or running from left to right short. That gives Antonio Gibson that open uh, deep right end of the field. On the De'Ami Brown touchdown, his route is actually run out of the slot left side works towards the middle of the field, not because that's where it's designed to go, but because Sam Howell sees the gap in the defense and leads De'Ami Brown there. But again, that play starts on the left side. So uh, we kind of talked about it before in the game preview that that left side of the commander's offense was going to be a strong suit coming into the game. It proved true. You know, uh, again, the offense didn't fall short here necessarily, but, you know, you kind of think about some of those other drives where they weren't able to get a field goal range or get score or get points on the board. Maybe if they execute or they they take advantage of that left side a little bit more, maybe they get more points. Who knows? Uh, you know, it's not something we're going to find out now. Uh, what do I want to improve? Obviously, the explosives. You know what I mean? This is probably the last time we're going to talk about the explosives, guys, because it feels like a weekly basis we're doing this. But I'm going to break a little bit down here. We already talked about the Jackson Smith and Jigba explosive pass, but on the 64-yard touchdown pass by Kenneth Walker to the third, Danny Johnson slips, takes a terrible angle pursuit when he does get back up to his feet. And then on top of that, linebacker David Mayo and safety Cam Curl both additionally take terrible pursuit angles uh, and, and, and contribute to Kenneth Walker III getting that touchdown run. Uh, the next explosive pass, 20-yard completion to Kenneth Walker III in the third quarter. Honestly, that's honestly one of the plays I look at. I just say, you know what? The CLC Hawks play design is just better than the Commanders play design. I don't really look at any one player on that play and say you were out of position, you weren't doing your job, or you should have done better. If I want to get nitpicky, nitpicky, I could say that Jamin Davis could have dropped his zone deeper. Sure, but he's already 10 to 15 yards off the line of scrimmage when the ball comes out. So, I mean, how much deeper do you really want this guy to go, especially when there's nobody in front of him 
And you got Geno Smith, who's still a very mobile quarterback. So I think that would be using revisionist history uh, more than anything. So I'm not going to give too many, you know, uh, bad marks on that one. 27 yarder DK Metcalf. Obviously, that's the one that hurts the most because it leads to the game winning field goal. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice is in man coverage and it's just a terrible rep, guys. I mean, that's just the only way to put it. Uh, he lets DK Metcalf eat his cushion completely, doesn't even attempt to, to get into phase, bumps him downfield, which could have been a, an illegal contact penalty on him anyway, and then kind of lets him go like he's in zone coverage. Like he's he's kind of backpedaling his eyes on Geno Smith uh, when he's in man, which, you know, that's that's not how you do that. Smith sees it, hits Metcalf, and, and honestly, St. Juice is so far out of phase that he, uh, when Quen, Quan Martin goes low to try to take down DK Metcalf, St. Juice is trying to catch up to the play, overruns DK Metcalf, can't make the tackle because he's running so fast trying to catch up. Danny Johnson, the other safety, ends up having to finish the tackle. Uh, so, again, you know, I know man coverage is a Benjamin St. Juice strong suit, uh, you know, but it is what it is. But, you know, that's that's what happened on that play. So that's where issues with Jack Del Rio come in potentially, right? Cover two would have been a much better coverage option there. But, again, that's more looking at the tape and not talking real time. So whatever real time showed him to use that man coverage versus the cover two coverage. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, Benjamin St. Juice not doing his job on a very critical rep. Uh, the run play explosives, there are actually four of them. I counted three during the game. I missed one uh, in real time. So there was four total explosive runs, three of them. Uh, honestly, the guys are just really well blocked. I mean, they, they just the Seattle Seahawks just had a really good uh, run design on those plays. Uh, one was a busted fit by Jamin Davis. The other look one, another looked like a busted fit by Deron Payne. And on all four, honestly, there's a troubling amount of passive play at the point of attack by multiple commanders, including linebacker David Mayo. So that's my defensive AAR sustain improve. Now that we finished that and the trade conversations are gone, we don't have any bonus interviews to do. Let's get back to ranting about Ron to ramp up this AAR conversation here on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode of Locked On Commanders brought to you by FanDuel. Score this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your money line bet wins. Currently, the Washington Commanders are nine and a half point favorites to beat the New York Giants next week. With the over-under for that game is set at 36 and a half points for both teams. I think the, the odds makers just don't want you to bet on that game, to be quite honest with you. But if you think the commanders are going to pull this thing off, hit that money line with a $5 bet. And if you win and if it's your first bet, you will get $150 in bonus bets. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is incredibly easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including those money lines. But you also got spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get your season winning FanDuel, official partner of the National Football League. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're ranting about Ron Rivera as we wrap up this episode of Locked On Commanders. Uh, this is where we take some quotes from Ron Rivera. 
following the most recent game and we talk about it. You know, I mean, that's it's pretty much as simple as that. This isn't a trash talking segment. It's but, you know, if, if he says something we don't like, we'll we'll talk about it as well. Uh, but the first one we're going to talk about on not going for two. Uh, there were a lot of people at the end of that game. Uh, you know, the Washington Commanders go down. They get a game tying uh, potential game time touchdown. Uh, Sam Howell finds the army. Brown. I think it was 35 yards. And it's a pretty simple equation, right? One point extra point gets you a tie. Uh, two point extra point gets you a uh, one point lead. That's, that's, that's pretty much all it boils down to. And a lot of people looked at it and said, man, after the Philadelphia Eagles game, you know, a few weeks back, no way Ron Rivera doesn't go for two here. Well, he didn't go for two. In fact, he went for the extra point. Joey Sly made that one, missed one earlier in the game, uh, but was able to make this one. And uh, because of it, they went into a tie and went into, uh, you know, the Seattle Seahawks getting the ball. Eventually the Seattle Seahawks drive down the field and they get a game winning field goal. Ron Rivera was asked after the game, about not going for two. And he said, quote, in talking and trying to get a feel for it, the biggest thing that you get concerned with is how much time is left. Uh, They had two timeouts left, and it was one of those things. I liked our chances going into overtime. I liked the way we moved the ball. We found a couple things we felt we could exploit, and we did. We did it twice the last couple drives, felt felt good going into overtime, end quote. So that was Ron Rivera's explanation of why he did not go for two. Uh, some people still don't like it. I got to tell you, I don't have a problem with Ron Rivera not going for two there uh, because when you look at the pros and the cons and weigh them, what's going to happen there. If you get a two point conversion, you have a one point lead. Uh, There's still 55 seconds left on the clock. The Seahawks still have two timeouts and they still win the game with a field goal. So you didn't really secure anything for yourself. I mean, I suppose the argument can be made. You put a little bit more pressure on the Seahawks because basically now that's either get a field goal to win the game or you lose versus get a field goal to win the game or you go to overtime. But honestly, that's kind of a defeatist uh, view of it. And I don't think the Seahawks, I don't, I don't think that the one point lead would have deterred the Seahawks from anything that they were doing. um, Honestly. Uh, However, if you miss it, now you're down by a point and you have, you know, no timeouts left or one timeout left. I can't remember, but you either way, you have to go for an onside kick. Statistically speaking, you're not very likely to recover the onside kick. And honestly, even when you do, it's pretty random. Like you can say a guy kicks a really good onside ball, but if we're being honest about it, it's it's mostly random. So you're basically leaving your chances of winning up to a dice roll versus tying the game, putting your defense on the field, just telling them, stand up, get us to overtime. We feel good about what we do. They just put together two touchdown drives back to back to end that game. Uh, you know, feel good what you're doing on offense, uh, but the defense didn't stand up. You know what I mean? So personally, I don't disagree with what Ron Rivera did. Uh, I just, you know, the defense didn't stand up, man. That's that's what it boils down to. That's that's where this this whole thing lies. Um, what do you think is about the cause of explosive plays on the defense over the years? And I like that question because it's not just this weekend. It's over the years. Ron said, quote, I think a lot of it, when you look at it, goes to really a collective thing. And more than anything else, uh, they, anything else they need to do, us putting them in position and have success. And it's unfortunate that we as a whole haven't done the things that we need to do at the right time. It's difficult because we've had opportunities to win football games. And part of it, too, is taking advantage of the takeaway battle. We've had balls that have been out there that we didn't finish up. We missed a couple of opportunities. I have a couple of interceptions yesterday, talking about Sunday. And that was disappointing. And so we've got to continue to battle and get better. And, you know, uh, there have been some times where Ron Rivera, Jack Dorio specifically, have kind of skirted the line between calling players out and not calling players out. And this is another one. You know, he says, again, you know, more than anything else, it is it's guys doing the things that they need to do. And that basically boils down to just guys not doing their job. And we talk about some of those explosives, you know, look, some of these explosives, you look at it, man, the Seahawks just play better. You know what I mean? Like bottom line, they just out physical the team. 
they just schemed it better. They just called it better. It is what it is. But there are plenty of other explosives in this game and throughout the last four seasons, uh, including this one, where it's guys out of position and it's guys not doing their job. And, and you know, it, it's hard as a coach when you have all these players on the field and, and if they're not doing what you tell them to do or what you coach them to do, you know, how do you adjust based on what they're they're already not listening to you? But in the business of, of professional football, the bottom line is if the message isn't getting through, then either the message has to change or the messenger has to change. That's that's pretty much how this is going to work. Like you're not replacing an entire defense worth of players. So you're going to replace the coaches. And I think, um, you know, at this time, like Jack Del Rio's kind of short showed up a little bit more uh, aggression in the last couple of weeks. You know, I don't know if that's a sign of the message changing. Perhaps that's what it is. Uh, but again, we also know we've got a lot of cornerbacks that we're looking at on this roster that are not man cover guys. Benjamin St. Juice is not a man cover guy. Kendall Fuller has more of a man cover ability, I think, than Benjamin does, but he's not really that kind of a dude either. Uh, Danny Johnson, certainly not equipped to be a fully man cover guy. So, I mean, you know, you can change the scheme and change the message, but how much can you really install on a week to week basis? And how effective are the guys you have in the locker room going to be at doing it? Plus, how much are they going to see you changing? as almost kind of like a last ditch effort to just kind of find anything that might stick to the wall uh, and how much motivation we're going to have to do that. That's, there's a lot of questions. There are a lot of variables there, but we'll get another chance, man. You know, the New York Giants coming to town this weekend. We get another opportunity to see this Washington Mayor's defense in action and the Washington Mayor's offense. Last time they played in the New York Giants, Washington Mayor's offense only put up seven points, almost put up another touchdown, but didn't. So they only put up seven points. So we'll see how they come out playing up against this Giants team that, uh, I don't know. The commanders just can't play well against the New York Giants. This is what it is. But coming up tomorrow, mailbag time. So if you got questions about that game, this game, anything going on Washington Commanders related, drop them to me in the YouTube comment section. Hit me on Twitter or text me directly by becoming a lock insider at jointsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. As always, thank you for making locked on commanders your first listener, your first view today and every day. Every day, thanks for coming through on a regular basis like you do. Thank you so much, everybody, for making me a part of your day part of your routine until we speak again please be safe be kind and i'll see you next time for another episode of locked on commanders part of locked on podcast network your team every day if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.